Well, good morning, church. If I don't know you, my name is Evan Kuntz. I have the privilege of serving with a team of really incredible next-gen ministers and administrative assistants from all nine of our campuses here. And I also get to be the student minister on this campus at the Brentwood campus. Um, So if you've never ventured down to the other end of the building, I know it's a long walk all the way down there, but we do have coffee. We have a cafe. We'd love to see you come swing by. And if when you're down there, you hear a little organized chaos, loosely organized, that's probably us. Come peek in and say, hey, in Hudson Hall, we'd we'd love for you to see what God's been up to in student ministry. If you didn't get the memo, uh, it's the Sunday after Christmas, which as you might know, is also known as International Student Minister Preaching Sunday, AKA Senior Pastor Vacation Sunday. So while Jay is away, you are stuck with me today. And I'm really, really grateful for that. When, when Jay asked if I would be interested in preaching today, I didn't have to think long about it. This was a no-brainer for me. I love preaching the word in general, but this one is also a little special. This is, this is my home church. This is where I grew up. I was thinking about it over the weekend, and you know, I, I can remember, like some of you, counting stained glass panels at the 409 campus when I got bored during a sermon, which never happened, of course, but if it did... That's what I would do. So I'll, I know the glazed look. I'll be keeping an eye out for it today. I can remember writing my name somewhere down right over here on the concrete when they built this campus. I used to sneak down to the choir room on Wednesday nights and take peppermints when nobody was looking. And then here we are. And with all of that, you can imagine nobody saw this coming, least of all me. This is one of those, look at us. How did we get here? I have no idea. And it's truly incredible. I'm really, really excited to be with you guys this morning. Naturally, with all of that, uh, a lot of people have been asking me, uh, are you nervous? Are you scared? Like, what are you feeling? And scared wasn't really the feeling I felt. I I kept telling people, honestly, it just feels weird. It feels surreal. And I was trying to explain this to some students. They were asking me, and of course, I'm talking with teenagers. So I use the universal language for teenagers, Taylor Swift. And so I said, it's like, imagine you've watched Taylor Swift perform every Sunday for your entire life, week after week. And then one day, it's you standing on the stage where you watched her perform over and over again. Like that would be a strange, strange feeling. And that's kind of that's what I've been feeling like. This is just a surreal full circle moment that, as you know, only God can bring together. And it's really cool to watch that happen. This morning, we're going to read the story of a guy named Simeon. Now, if you're like me, that probably tickles something in the back of your mind, but you're not quite sure where that comes from. It's vaguely familiar. And honestly, I've, I don't know if I've ever taught on this story before, but as I've been digging into this and it's been sitting on my heart, I am so excited for you guys to see what God has for us in this. So as we start the new year, what I wanna do with you this morning is really simple. I just wanna stand shoulder to shoulder with you and look at Jesus together for a while. And if we do it right, then we walk out of here floating into 2024, just gliding out because we're so confident that when all glories to Christ, things go well and life clicks. Simeon wanted to gaze at Jesus too. You'll find the story in Luke chapter two, starting in verse 25. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Luke 2, starting in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. 
and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, now master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may the soil of our hearts be ready to receive your word. And as those seeds take root, may it reap a fruit far beyond what we could imagine, so that we leave this place different than when we walked in, because we encountered you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big question guy. I like to ask questions about everything. My family, my friends, they would probably call it argumentative, maybe stubborn is what they call it. My parents joked I would have made a great lawyer. I asked a lot of questions about everything. I took nothing for granted. I wanted to know why. I was a kid that you never wanted in Sunday school because you knew I'd ask about the Trinity. You knew I'd ask why I had to do things. Why do I do this? Why do we do that? You never wanted to have me. Maybe you've had that kid. Maybe you were that kid in class and you're looking at people around you right now and you're going, that, that was you. That was you, my friend. Well, because I'm a question guy, I love when I come to a text and it asks me a question. And the question that's been turning over in my heart as I've been thinking about this passage is this. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? I don't mean going to Cinco de Mayo after church today. I mean, do you still have that not yet complete still unmet, I'm hoping but getting tired of it, hunger inside of you. 2023 was amazing. We, we've celebrated all this morning what God has done. Hundred of baptisms. We saw Jay come in as our new pastor. We have seen this sanctuary change. We've seen a lot of good in 2023. And I'm sure that your life has been blessed too. And you're looking at the faithfulness of God. And that's real. But it's equally real to say that 2023 has left us a little wanting. Was your 2023 everything that you hoped it would be? Did it fill you up? Did it satisfy you completely? Or did it leave something still, a longing still in there? We're hungry people, hungry for contentment, hungry for wholeness, hungry for joy and love and peace and purpose. And the frustration of the time we're living in, the the horribly frustrating thing is that we have every resource possible available to us and nothing that fully satisfies. And so, We feel like we should be able to soothe our aches. We should be able to feel like we've made it. I mean, we live in Williamson County. We should definitely be able to feel like we've arrived at this point, like we have enough, that we are enough. Surely we should be able to make the hunger go away, right? And we aren't immune to that 
in here just because we know Jesus. I mean, I got to the end of my year and I don't know about you, but I was praying and I'm looking at my year and it was great. There were some really good moments. There were parts where life felt like it was completely full, but then also I'm here on the last day and I'm looking at God and I'm going, God, I'm still hungry. It's still there. I thought that if you were with me, I wouldn't still feel this way. I'm supposed to be fulfilled with you near me, right? Luke 2 is here for people like you and me who still have a lingering hunger and don't know what to do with it. In this story, we're seeing someone in real time, real life, who lived at once with profound hunger and profound fulfillment. Here's a man who had everything we want and yet nothing we run after. And Jesus, through the story of Simeon, is inviting us into that kind of life. So here's how it goes. When Luke brings us into the story, he tells us that Simeon was two things. He says he was righteous and he was devout. Now, if somebody came up to you on the street today and said, man, you are so righteous and devout, might be a little strange. You know they're being nice, but that's not exactly the language we use anymore. You would know it's a compliment, but you'd be like, I don't know quite what to do with that. In Simeon's day, this was about the highest compliment you could get. From Luke's perspective, Simeon is top-notch. Simeon loved God, he was seeking God, and he was living right. As far as people go, Simeon was the best of the best. So what we would expect to read immediately after that is that Simeon was happy, healthy, and had everything he wanted, right? We expect to read that life had moved through the normal rhythms and mile markers. He probably always found a parking spot. He probably never got passed up for a promotion. His family, his wife, his kids were loved by everybody. He had a nice home. He tithed well, and God keeps blessing him. That's, that's how we'd write the story. That's what makes sense to us. So it should catch us off guard what Luke says next. If you look at this again, it says, this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. Looking forward to Israel's consolation. All throughout the Old Testament, God was promising his people that one day, one day out there, he was going to come and rescue them. Rescue them from every enemy, from oppression, from injustice and unrighteousness and brokenness and sin and sorrow and death. And the way God always spoke about this, when he talked about this rescuing, it's so tender and gentle. He always said, I will come to comfort you. I'm coming to comfort. And that that comfort, he tells us, is he's going to send the Messiah, the Savior, right? We just celebrated this word for about the last month, Emmanuel, God with us. And can you imagine how that warmed the heart of a broken people surrounded by sorrow, far from home, can't seem to get it together, beaten while they're down? Into that, God gently and compassionately says, I will come to comfort you. And that was everything to them. And I mean, if we're honest, like that sounds really good to me too. If you're like me, that makes me want to go, God, I want that too. Come comfort me too. I I need that. I know, I know we're strong. We're independent. We don't like sharing our emotions and, you know, we can do everything on our own. I get it. But on the other hand, 
I don't know about you, I've never been over comforted. I've never been over encouraged before in my life. I can always use a little bit more. And so Simeon is running after the same thing. And you would think if we're writing the story, as great as Luke makes him out to be, he has to have found the comfort now, right? He has to have arrived at it. But Luke says that Simeon, righteous and devout Simeon, surely blessed by God Simeon, must be put together Simeon. That Simeon was looking forward to God's comfort. And if you think this through with me just a little bit, right? If he's looking forward to it, that has to mean he doesn't have it right now, right? Simeon was in the same boat as us. He's in the same shoes as us, but he was a good man. He loved God. He was doing it right. So why did he still feel this way? Well, Luke tells us God had made a promise to Simeon, a promise that he would see the comfort of God the Messiah before he died. And that promise consumed him. That promise changed the trajectory of Simeon's life. It oriented his life. It was a thing he built everything around. For what we can tell when we come into the story, Simeon was an older man. And it seems like the routine of his life every day for years has been this. Wake up, center on God, walk to the temple, pray and look for the king, don't find him, worship, go home, repeat. Every single day for years, that's what we can tell. He probably watched, if you can imagine, you're waiting for the king. Every young couple that comes in to dedicate their child, you're looking, you're going, is this the one? Is this him? Is this it? This is finally happening? God, are you sending your comfort? And every time the spirit would make it clear, that's not the one. And Simeon would go home and he'd reset to come back the next day and do it all over again, year after year. And that drive, that singular thought did something we wouldn't plan on. It led him to pass on much of normal life. There's no mention of a family, no mention of marriage or kids, no mention of a job or a house or a 401k or a nice car, no mention of a savings account, no mention of a legacy or trophies. From all we can tell, at best, Simeon probably snuck into the temple every day unnoticed by people. And at worst, people notice him, but because of how strange his life seemed. And we, we can understand that, right? Here is a man who had missed out on every important mile marker, right? And if you saw him, if you knew someone who spent every day of their life in this rhythm, this cycle, you know you're supposed to think, man, they're just really godly. Wow, I should look up to them. Look how faithful they are. You know you're supposed to think that. But honestly, a part of you, you feel sorry for them, right? You feel a little sad. Simeon would walk by and you'd smile and you'd say, oh, sweet old man. Gosh, bless his heart. He's just doing the best that he can. Look at how his life turned out. It all just passed him by. He thought he was waiting on God and then just kind of missed out on everything, didn't he? It's such a shame, such a shame. And I know we think that way about him because we think that way about ourselves. I was trying to think of how to explain this to you guys. And here's the silliest example I could come up with, but also the first one that came to mind. When I was in middle school, you weren't anybody unless you could wear one of these. Let's throw up that first shirt. There it is. Yes. Note the pop collar. Note the good look. Sometimes you layered the polos, two on top of each other, and popped both the collars. A Hollister polo was not just a fashion trend. 
This was a rite of passage when I was in middle school. This was your entry into a new stage of life. And if you didn't get to enter that new stage of life, something had gone wrong. And if you were like me and your parents didn't let you shop at Hollister, that was a big issue. You were missing out on something. And if we felt that way about a shirt, how much more do we feel that way about weightier things? Things that passed us by. We all have a list of hopes that didn't pan out, that passed us by. And when that happens, when there are things missing in our lives, when we feel deprived, there's something in us that says, this isn't right. This this can't be the plan. Something must have gone wrong. We're meant to be fulfilled, right? One pastor I was reading said it like this, and this is so good. He said, lives like these are rare, Simeon's life. Such longing is not in vogue today. The ideal modern man sees himself as fulfilling Hemingway's line. You are the completest man I have ever known. We aim to be complete without any hunger pains left. We don't want to be missing anything. And if that's our aim, then Simeon is falling way behind. He is falling way behind. Surely this guy was deprived and unhappy. Surely he felt like he was missing things. How could he not be? Look at how much, how much life had passed him by. And yet that doesn't seem to be the man we meet, right? We're nearing the end of a life that seemingly passed him by, but Simeon is still showing up at the temple every day with an eager expectation. Today might be the day that I meet the king. Today might be the day I meet the Messiah, He's showing up more excited now on the edge of his seat than he has ever been. There is no reservation, no backing down. There are no regrets. In fact, Simeon strikes me as one of the oddest, most strangely joyful people in the Bible. If you think about this story for a second, Mary and Joseph, sweet new baby Jesus, silent night baby Jesus shows up. And if you're a parent, how comfortable are you with people touching your child without asking, right? They got germs. You don't know where their hands have been. That's gross. Don't come near my kid yet. Ask first, right? Well, this man, older man, stranger to them, walks up in the temple. They've never met him before. And he takes the baby out of Mary's hands, picks him up. And not only that, starts singing. I don't miss how strange, that was not more normal back then. Don't think that it was. It was still weird. And Simeon breaks into song. He can't contain any of this. It's overflowing in him. That doesn't seem to me like a man who feels deprived and unhappy. That doesn't seem to be a man who feels like life has passed him by. That seems to be a man who is profoundly satisfied and confident and hope-formed. One commentator said it like this. Simeon represented all who saw that their only hope was in the mercy and grace of God, along with the poor carpenter and his wife and the outcast shepherds. He was a flesh and blood example of those to whom Christ comes. He personified, get this, the paradox of being profoundly empty and profoundly full. He came to God's house hungry and received as few others have in the history of the world. Simeon was consumed by the beauty and the greatness 
and the satisfaction found in his king. It enraptured him. Nothing else mattered. He didn't even seem to notice he had missed out on anything. Had he? He didn't know. What what had he missed out on? He couldn't tell you. He was so caught up in waiting for the king, for the arrival of God's comfort. And we get to see him finally find it. When Jesus shows up, he finds it and he explodes with joy. He can't contain his excitement, his wonder. And I can't help but think, I don't know about you, but what would my life look like if I had that kind of passion built up? Can you imagine being that expectantly hopeful? Can you imagine what life would be like if we came to God's house that hungry every single week? I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want the confidence Simeon had. I want the peace Simeon had. I want the hope Simeon had. I want the joy Simeon had. I want the passion Simeon had. I want to be comforted like Simeon was comforted. He has everything that we hunger for. Everything that we hunger for. And he may have been empty of the things we imagine will fill us up, but he was full of all the best things. See, the problem we face isn't that we're hungry. The problem we face is that we feast on what can't fill us up. The invitation of Luke 2 is this. Come sit at the king's table. He can give you food that at once fills you up and leaves you hungry for more, but a different hunger, a holy hunger. Will we miss out on what this world has to offer? Maybe. Will life pass us by? It could. Will people look at us and shake their heads and say, why you deprived yourself needlessly? You didn't have to go about things this way. They might, they might. Don't think twice about it. What are we missing out on if we do? There is more in Jesus than all the people and all the world and all of history could offer us. More available to you in him, more fulfillment in him, more joy in him. And whatever you have to miss out on doesn't even come close. And if that sounds good to you, if you're ready to step into that kind of living, here's how we're going to do it. I'm so glad that Michelle mentioned this earlier, but in the most simple terms, Jesus talked about God's word as being food for him. It's almost like he wanted us to pick up on that, right? Almost like he knew about the hunger thing. And we think Jesus was right about that. We think it is like food. And this is more than words on a page, more than stories and ideas. I don't know how it works. The Bible is one of those strange spiritual things that I don't know how to explain to you, but it's like normal baseline Christianity to think that when we encounter the word, it changes us. It just does. Can't tell you how it works, but it happens. And that's why we're so excited that tomorrow starts our whole Bible in a whole year plan. From Genesis to Revelation, for one full year, we're going to be eating up the word of God. And our pastors are going to walk us through it every single Sunday. But the real opportunity here is that you get to dig into the word every single day. And if you're hungry If you're looking expectantly and longing and trying to find something to satisfy you, friends, this is the place. For one year, you get the chance to feast on the word of God every single day. We have a Bible reading plan for you. We have Bibles that you can use to go through that. 
We have so many options available for you. And listen, if that intimidates you, join the club. <laughs> if, that, if you have done it a million times and you're thinking, not a big deal, totally fine, recalibrate. This is massive. It's massive, but as massive as the responsibility will be and the weight of it will be, the opportunity is equally as massive in front of us. I don't know what your 2023 was like, but I know what your 2024 can be together. In 2024, we can receive like Simeon received if we come hungry to God's house. If we come hungry to the king's table, if we're ready to be satisfied, Jesus is ready to fill us up. And it starts by digging into the word. Let's make 2024 the year we come to God hungry. Let me pray for us. Jesus, may you tell us of the hunger inside of us. May you show us where the longing still is. Jesus, when we find it, I pray for my friends in this room that we don't run from it, we don't hide from it. Instead, Jesus, I pray that we press in and let the hunger and the longing we still feel drive us to your table where we will be fulfilled truly. So may you use the 2024 reading plan, simple as it sounds. May you use it to transform and change us as we never could be on our own. Nothing else satisfies. So may we find our contentment in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've been hungry and you're ready to start finding fulfillment, or maybe you've just got some questions about the Bible reading plan or joining a group to be with other like-minded people who are hungry for God as well, um, some volunteers and I are going to be in the Welcome Center after the service, and we'd love to talk to you about what we found in Jesus, about the fulfillment we found in him. So come find us. Travis is going to lead us in the doxology to close the service.